Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Lunch with Tech Leaders, uh, brought to you by the Great Lakes Technology Leadership Discord. Uh, feel free to join us by signing up at leaders.rbn.ai. Uh, this week, we've got a great panel here. We're going to talk about product management. What is product management? We got a lot of feedback from the community that we were very much DevOps focused. Um, so we're trying to broaden our horizons. So uh, today I've brought in uh, my usual co-host, Tom Kowalski. Tom, say hi. Howdy. Tom Kowalski here. Been in the industry for uh, over 15 years now and very excited to uh, talk about product management. Yeah. And uh, representing our product managers this week, we've got Nicole Anderson. Hello, Nicole Anderson here. I uh, come from an engineering background, uh, primarily web development, and then kind of stumbled into product management and uh, never looked back. Awesome. And uh, we've got Calissa Pollard with OpenDoc. Hello, everyone. Yes, Calissa Pollard here, a senior product manager with OpenDoc, and I'm also an accidental product manager. Um, my background is mostly in sales, um, and then I went back to school to get a master's in MIS um, tech, so found myself kind of right in the middle between the engineers and sales. So it's been really a fun career so far. Awesome. And last but not least, we've got Lauren Seabor from Google. Hello, Lauren Seabor. Uh, as Ryan, as uh, Adam said, I'm a product manager at Google, where I've been for about six years now. Um, and uh, rounding out the trend, I'd say also stumbled my way into product management and have not looked back. It's become a passion for me. So I've been doing it all together for about eight years, but started off in engineering. Okay. So a brief history of product management. There was a guy in 1931 who wrote a memo. Um, his name was Neil McElroy. Um, and he wrote this 800-word memo. I haven't actually read the memo, but he wrote this memo. And he uh, had this description of what he called the brand men, which uh, the irony here is we have all, all women in our, in our panel today. But um, so 1931, let's not hold it against him too much. Uh, so he he defined the brand men whose uh, responsibility was for the brands, tracking sales, managing the product, advertising promotions. So um, this is what seems like most many people agree was the birth of of product management. Um, and then you know to to kind of round out how product management came to be, you look at what was going on in post World War II Japan, and what Toyota was doing with the Toyota Way, um, and so they developed some some very common um, practices that you see in product management, software development called, you know, the first one's Kaizen, which, uh, you know, you're continuously improving the business while always driving for innovation and evolution. And uh, Genshi Genbutsu, 
uh, which is go to the source to find the facts to make the correct decisions. So that's more of like, uh, you know, I think that speaks to like, go to the customers, find out what they need, uh, make the right decisions. Um, and I was, I was surprised. Like I thought that, you know, product managers are basically very much a marketing function uh, historically, but I've only ever known them as like more technical, um, you know, working in software, um, you know, I didn't really think of them as like brand ambassadors or, you know, really driving um, a lot of those marketing functions. So, um, which is what I find interesting about doing the podcast is like learning a little bit of history about, you know, the, the disciplines that we're talking about. So um, that's that. I want to hear from our panel, though, like what is, you know, what do you guys think about product management and what, you know, how do you define it? Um, I'll go popcorn. Alyssa. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good and interesting history. I really had no idea either. Um, I did get my start in product management more on the marketing side, though, and then it kind of turned into more of the tech side, which is why I decided to go back to um, get a degree in tech. Um, I see product management as the mini CEO of the product, um, maybe without all of the authority, but you basically have to manage the team. You have to define the problem. You need to talk to customers and actually understand what a potential solution could look like, obviously working very closely with your engineering team on building out that solution. Um, and yeah, just understanding and researching as much as possible. And then obviously executing on all of that and making sure that you're uh, working very closely with everyone involved to get to that finish line. I really like that definition. The, the mini CEO of the product. All of the accountability, none of the power. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, Lauren, do you have anything to, you know, add to, you know, what is, how do you define product management? What does product management mean to you? I kind of want to see if you guys have different takes or if there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of overlap in, uh, I think Glitzer really described it well. Um, I can definitely understand the marketing influences when it comes to really understanding and defining business goals and your target market and your target users and trying to identify what the opportunity is for those users and what their needs are and build towards it. So there's there's this business aspect that I, I think might not be actually part of every product manager's role because product manager tends to look quite different at different companies. One of the very interesting things I think about this particular discipline, um, but in its fullness, it really is taking an overall understanding of the business needs as well as um, your particular market segment and users and trying to combine that with uh, how you can use technology in order to fulfill those things. Nice. Nicole, you got any hot takes to add? Not really. I mean, I think everything that uh, they both said is I totally agree with. Um, what your job looks like depends on the size of the business you're at, where the product is at in its life cycle. Like, are you going from zero to, to building something? Are you maintaining a legacy product? Is it just kind of in maintenance mode? And, you know, like what what your day to day looks like could vary greatly depending on if your company even knows what product management really is. And if um, if you're at a well-established org that has 50 product managers or you're the only one, you know, it, it could look very different. <laughs> 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, I think you touched on that, Tom. You got a question you want to ask? Well, yeah, I was just saying, uh, going back to calling it the you know CEO of the the product itself, right? The mini CEO of the product itself is interesting because, and going back to what Lauren said, that you know it's different in the different companies. So I was just wondering what the structure looks like, you know, within your you know different industries and where you've worked of who owns right the the product end to end does it does it flow all the way up to the ceo who's doing you know in charge of the sales marketing of everything or you know does the buck stop at you know you all at, at you know as the mini ceo of a, of a market segment uh or do you report to like a general manager how, how does that look like yeah. the internal the structure and i think that ties into a question i want to ask too which is like our product managers actually allowed to manage their product, right? Because I, I see no. like as exactly to what Tom said. Like, there's always someone above you that feels like they're making the decision. So, if you guys could speak on that, um, that'd be great. So many things to speak to in those questions. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, so working at Google. Uh, I've I've been a product manager at two different companies, Google and before that, DaySmart Software. And at DaySmart, I was the first and only product manager in the time that I was there. So we were establishing what it meant for a product manager to exist for the first time in that company. That's a very, very different experience than coming into Google. There's literally thousands of product managers and a very well-defined understanding of what that role is and what the different levels in that role contribute. Um, so since I think um, I can maybe uniquely speak at least to that and I'll focus more there, my experience in Google, I say I'm a group product manager, which means I manage other product managers, but I definitely have plenty of leads above me as well. So I'm actually intersecting the top down uh you know, guidance that I get from my overall leadership, trying to understand what the business overall is trying to achieve and how my product contributes to that. And also trying to work with my team and all of the opportunities they explore uh, to incorporate that into a cohesive product strategy and to make trade-off decisions across the entirety of a team that's trying to bring lots of different perspectives together. Um, and so I do, do I get to product manage? Definitely. <laughs> um, but I think that there are a, a lot of times when um, maybe you do have a lot more top-down direction um, and you're focusing more on the execution side of product management and maybe not uh, more of the mini CEO aspect of it. So it can it can wildly differ. Um, one additional thing I, I want to call out too is that while I very much like the analogy of mini CEO, what I've found is that a product manager uh, as we joked a little bit, has, in most cases, no real absolute authority. Um, the buck stops with the product manager when it comes to responsibility. Often, if something goes wrong, we'll tend to be the ones who, who take that um, and are accountable. But we really have a cross-functional leadership team, typically, where we're all collaborating and making joint decisions. So I have an engineering lead um, a user experience lead, like we're really combined trying to make key decisions. So I wouldn't say that I have any individual ability to just, you know, declare uh, our direction. It's it's very much a group collaboration. 
Yeah, I fully agree with what Lauren was saying. And I think, um, you know, you get top down approach, a lot of, you know, just input on what the product should be and the ultimate vision and the mission of the entire company, which is great. And you should be collaborating with your stakeholders. Um, but then it's also, I don't want to call it necessarily bottom up approach because the people are not necessarily below you. They're usually working next to you side by side, but you're getting a lot of that feedback directly from the clients who are ultimately going to pay you to use your product. And so a lot of what they say goes into exactly what you should be doing with your day-to-day productivity and the features that you need to be implementing and making sure that you're solving their actual problem. You're not just inputting a feature that doesn't really make sense for how they need to solve their problems. So you really have to, you know, link arm in arm with your clients, with your customer success and sales teams to really understand the needs of the client. Um, And then you could push that information back up to the top leadership and let them know why you're making certain strategic decisions and just bring them along for that journey. Um, Nicole, any perspective? I think, Nicole, you've been in some SMB type environments where, you know, there's not a lot of, not a fully fleshed product team, any, anything to add with how your um, experience were in product management? Yeah, I think in my experience, you, uh, to your original question, you either report to the CTO, uh, VP of a product, CPO, depending on how the structure is there. And then um, I, I really just tried my best to like take in inputs from every department's needs because everyone has like a very unique set of problems and and they kind of are tunnel visioned into like what they think they need for to make their job easier as a salesperson as a support person as a engineer as a customer of yours like everyone has kind of this like you know this is what we should be working on because this directly affects my life day to day and i kind of try to sit in the middle of that take all of that in and then try to come up with a roadmap that kind of didn't ignore any one group or like focus too heavily on any one group, but like tried to you catch with all of that of like, this is going to be a quick win, or this is like a, a big thing we need to work on. That's going to be a huge tech debt item that engineering is going to, you know, really have a, an issue with if we don't address or the customers are really saying, you know, they need this and package all that up and say like to my stakeholders and, and the people above me, like, this is why we should do this. And if they have their own pet projects or priorities, you know, I might not always win that battle, but at least I'm trying to be the voice of everyone, especially the customer. Yeah, it seems like a complex game of diplomacy to me. Like, it seems yeah. like it's all soft skills. Um, and um, but uh, before I go into my tangent there, Lance, feel free to um, unmute and ask your question. I think you had a great question in the chat, so if you want to unmute and ask it, go right ahead, or I can ask it for you. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's such an interesting topic, um, but. Uh, my question was, are you ever finding yourself caught in the middle of your stakeholders' goals and the end user? Um, and how do you, you know, uh, I know that sometimes identifying the kind of user you want to begin with uh, can uh, be a struggle, um, which is ultimately what why the stakeholder kind of has a vision maybe above everything else. And that might be more right than what the end user wants. But yeah, just kind of wanted to know what your strategies are. I think, Nicole, you were kind of talking about that a little bit just now, where it's just like you kind of, you got all the inputs. I mean, if if anyone wants to go and take the the question, go ahead. Uh, I can jump in. I had a very 
strong reaction to Lance uh, asking this question because it resonates so true. For me, uh, I work on uh, the Google News app at Google. And so not only do I have end users and I have my business stakeholders, I actually have what we call like a multi-user marketplace uh, scenario. So we're trying to reconcile the needs of news publishers and how we can help news publishers uh, reach new audiences, build relationships with them, monetize, make sure that their best work is getting out to the right audiences, as well as our end users who are consuming that information, trying to understand what's happening in the world. Then I intersect that with all of the myriad priorities that Google might have. So I build an app that is on iOS, it's on Android, it's on the web, and Google might have um, priorities about how we're investing in Android as a platform and where we need to make sure to uh, take advantage of new ex uh, experiences that we're trying to deliver across all of our apps. And uh, then we'll have our particular leadership uh, priorities that might be about growth in new markets, things like this. So the inputs are endless. Um, and I often find myself trading off between the priorities of uh, our users and what we think are the most important problems to solve for uh, for them, but still trying to deliver on all of these things. So it's, it's quite a complex calculus at the end of the day, and I have no secrets for it. There is just exactly as you referenced, it's a diplomacy. It's really trying to be that strong advocate for your user and your business and bringing that together. Where can maybe one plus one equal three? Uh, find those opportunities as opposed to compromises. That's the craft, I think, of product management is really trying to bring all these perspectives together and create even more from it. So you, you kind of said it there, right? It's, you don't have a, a tool or answer, but that was what I was going to ask, right? What do you use to make those decisions, right? I know there's like the rice score and things like that. And like, can you use that to to balance, um, you know, not just those things that we're talking about too, but just everything else with the product, right? The, what you might call tech debt, the, you know, maintenance, the security aspect. Do you use any tools to kind of weigh, you know, what you have to do um, in the decisions that you're making? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, you have to be really strong headed. You have to be pretty unbiased of which way the company ultimately decides to go. Um, because at the end of the day, it really is, you know, what they decide to do is what you have to ultimately implement um, because they are the stakeholders. Um, but yes, gathering as much data as you possibly can. Uh, we recently just implemented a tool called Product Board for our team and it allows you to collect all of the data coming in from clients. They can go to the portal, they could put in their feedback about a specific feature request, say how critical it really is for their business. And then you start to collect these different, you know, insights from all different walks of life, you know, and then also the customer success managers and sales reps can also input different feature ideas. And then you can ultimately take that and start to work through what your roadmap will look like. And then we can take that to the executive team. And when they ask how many people have asked for this specific feature or how much MRR or revenue is actually going to come from this feature, we can point right back to all of the different clients and users that have specifically requested that. So gathering that data is really important on um, what we do every day. Yeah, I think that 
building that, baking that into your job is super important of how do we actually like measure what we did was successful? How do we know who wants it? Or like all the stuff you're talking about with product board, like making that be part of your job from the jump. And it's really hard and not something that there's like one way to do, but forcing yourself and your company to be data-driven because it's, it's very easy to just kind of go off of either the last thing you heard or whatever is kind of a pet project of someone's, but um, it's something that I have tried and failed at and I'm still always trying to get better at, but just forcing yourself and forcing those around you to follow, follow those, you know, processes that you set up and every, everything that you implement, having like a, a start and finish of measuring, was it successful and did it meet the goals that you are trying to, to achieve with that project? I, I and if, it, if you, if you miss the mark on something with a feature, um, and this is, I'm pulling this from a chat question, like, how do you, how do you guys deal with the failure? You know, you, you spend a lot of cycles developing something. It, it goes out to the wild. It falls flat. What, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. And I think there's no one size fits all answer for that. I think it really depends because sometimes it might fall flat with a certain segment of your customer base, but not necessarily everybody. So some clients might already be dependent on that feature. So you don't want to rip the cord out from underneath them. Um, and, you know, just we, we say a lot of the time we, we want to make additive, not invasive changes. So, you know, ripping out a feature could be invasive for certain users. So yes, collecting all that data, you could use so many tools out there, like Mixpanel that lets you track the events on a specific feature. And you can see how many people are actually using it. And then you can also do surveys and in-app surveys and ask, you know, does this feature give you all the information you need? Or, you know, is it doing what we expected it to do? And you can get that direct feedback. But if no one's using it, then yeah, you can work to, you know, clean up the tech debt over time and kind of come up with a plan to remove that feature. Yeah, I want to jump in and actually tie a couple of the last things that were raised together too. Um, one, just building off of first what Nicole said, I find it essential to make sure that you're very, very data driven. And that starts with having an incredibly crisp definition of what your goal actually is. And that's often where I see um, some of the failure happen is when you didn't actually have a clear definition of the goal to begin with. Um, what does success actually look like? What problem am I specifically trying to solve? And how will I prove that I solved that problem? We might go into a scenario thinking, I'm going to build this. It's obviously going to be good. It's obviously additive. I can clearly understand that this is going to solve user problems. Um, but inevitably, things that we build have some sort of trade-off. And maybe I'll build some amazing new feature that has the... Uh, the effect of having users come to my product less often because they don't need to come so often. We actually solved it for them uh, in fewer, in less time, fewer visits. Amazing. That's great for end users, but it doesn't look so good on the bottom line when I'm looking at like engagement with my product. If you understand that that was the goal to begin with, to make somebody's life easier, and that actually that consequence is not a bad thing, then it doesn't end up looking like failure at the bottom line when you're looking at those metrics. So it's very complicated to go in and say, do I really, really clearly understand what I'm trying to deliver here? What are the trade-offs and constraints I'm working with? What, I'm, what am I maybe willing to trade off on so that then you're not looking back and saying, oh, these things uh, seem to be negative, therefore we failed. 
Um, that's not to say actual misses don't happen. They absolutely do. But more often, I've experienced actually perceived misses from a lack of alignment up front about what you were really trying to go for. Yeah, that's... Uh... My mind is kind of blown. I've, I've never heard of it framed like that, Lauren, where you could say, like, people using the product less, less engagement could be a sign of victory, um, which I think is, you know, a pretty, pretty powerful concept. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so I did want to, um, I don't want to steer the conversation but I've got some questions I want to ask. Like, I hear you guys, you know, Nicole, Lauren kind of came from the technical background. Um, Calissa, you didn't, but now you, 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 you seem to be migrating more technical. So just like, I've worked with non-technical product managers and I've worked with very technical product managers. I would consider Nicole very technical. Um, so like, compare the two, what are the strengths and weaknesses? Um, do you guys have a, is there a preferred you know, do you guys prefer working with technical product PMs or non-technical? Like, I, you know, just give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, I can jump in from the non-technical side, moving towards technical. Um, I think it's really important to understand that not everybody has that technical ability, and that's okay. Um, but I personally believe that it really is part of the product manager's job to actually have a really good relationship with engineers. And part of that is being able to explain things in ways that they understand. And you also understanding, you know, their language and working through some of those technical details with them. Um, so I'm, our product offers an API and that's a huge aspect of what we do. Um, we are API first. So we build every single feature API first and make it available for any client who wants to do an integration. And um, me being able to speak to that to clients is so valuable, so important. And being kind of the technical first touch when I'm working with a customer success person or in sales. And then if I really need to bring my engineering team on a call to talk through it a little more technical than I have the ability to, um, that's usually the second line of defense. I don't want them to kind of be the first ones to jump on those questions or those calls. Um, so yeah, being able to talk about it and being able to test, I'm such a big believer that you need, as a product manager, you need to be in your product every single day, testing all of the features that are on staging, ready to go to, go to production, being able to test the APIs, being able to tell um, and debug an issue with an engineer to let them know, hey, I'm seeing an issue here. It's most likely this, open up your console and point them towards the actual error message. So yeah, I think, um, I personally think a product manager, and it obviously depends on the product, but um, if you're working in SaaS, you really should be more technically minded and focused. I totally agree with what you're saying that um, one thing that I really value in other PMs is that their ability or their willingness to like learn the product inside and out and really be able to like deep dive and understand every area of it. Because then when we talk about the product and other things may come up outside of the, you know, maybe the one thing they're working on, it's clear that they know how everything functions together. And when you start to run into those conversations where it's clear, they don't really know the full scope of what the product does. It, it, it's hard to bridge that, like, especially with engineers, because then you start to lose their respect and they're like, they, they don't trust that you know what you're talking about anymore. And, and so it, 
I don't think that you have to be like super technical, but as long as you like show that you care about the product and that you're putting in the time to like understand what they've built and how everything works together, um, you kind of earn their trust and respect and then they'll start to want to help you build the thing that you want to build versus being more like adversarial. Yeah. On that note, how are relations with engineers? Is it is it adversarial or are we on the same team or does it depend? I think we have to be on the same team. And I think there's no way uh, that the the overall team is going to be as successful as it could be unless you're on the same team and the roles are such complements to each other. So I think it's essential that you have really, really strong relationships, trust, understanding across uh, product engineering in my experience because I work on a front-end heavy product and something that actually has deep machine learning and ranking. I actually have um, you know, strong relationships with a front-end engineering partner and um, a ML ranking engineering partner. Those are very different disciplines. Um, and so I think that it's essential that a product manager, even if you don't have deep technical expertise, you have the relationships, you have enough understanding to really be able to represent them because that's a big part of the, the role. Um, and, and you just have to make sure that you're working as a unit. Almost like you're the, you're the cheerleader and the shield. I, I, once, I once read. You re once read in a side chat, uh, wise words. Um, yes, that's, I, I think oh, yeah. that a product manager is there to make sure to amp up the team, um, make sure that everybody is represented, everybody's getting credit for the successes, but you're also absorbing all of the things that are going to distract the team from, you know, being able to be as successful as they could be. So, yeah, you have a, a very important role for both. Mm -hmm. yeah. And great insight from Kyle in the chat talking about it's reversed, like the engineers should take a responsibility of understanding what the customers want too, because I think engineers um, can be, you know, just tell me what you want me to make. Let me write the code. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 it goes both ways for those for those delivery teams to be successful. Um, yeah. How about a day in the life of a product manager? I mean, it's just the role sounds so broad. It sounds so kind of like meetings and stakeholders and just like what is the typical day like for Lauren? Oh boy. Um, well, the typical day for Lauren is a lot of meetings, um, but I can get more specific than that. It really, it's hard to describe my day in a single day. I like to think about it um, over phases. So depending on where a particular project might be or just like the overall annual cycles that we have, my days could look drastically different. So right now we're at the end of the year, which means we're trying to both plan our entire roadmap for next year and put together a strategy, clearly articulate those goals we're going after and how we're gonna measure that we've achieved those goals. We're trying to lay that out all before the year ends. We're also trying to make sure we get those last launches out the door. So my engineers are very keen to make sure that we're launching features and so I'm reviewing a lot of features. How did it perform? Did we meet all of the requirements we were trying to meet? Um, does that have any conflicts with anything else we've got going on? How are we communicating that we've launched this? Um, 
what's like kind of the go-to-market strategy for anything that we're trying to bring to users. So my mix is right now between what are we doing next year, let's figure this out, and are we good with everything that we're trying to do now? Let me dot the I's, cross the T's, and help the team get over that last hurdle. Um, and that generally takes the form of meetings, reading lots of documents, answering lots of emails. Um, communication is just at the core of everything a product manager does. Yes, so much communication. <laughs> um, any you know, I'd like to hear what the day day in the life of Kalissa is like at OpenDoc. Is it is it is it similar? I'm sure there's some similarities, but like, yeah, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, um, I I'm sure that uh, I'm on a lot more client calls than most product managers, and I think that is um, has a lot to do with the fact that we're currently migrating off of a legacy platform and going onto our brand new platform, and we have a deadline. So, <laughs> a lot of it is clients just having a ton of questions. So I'm very much more client focused and working with them directly on how to accomplish that and what features we need in order to accomplish that. So um, that's the bulk of my job. And then I'm also very actively involved in the release cycle, uh, making sure like we're, we're going to do a release tonight and I'm in there testing all of the features and making sure that there's no regressions. If we find a bug or anything like that, we immediately work with the engineers. And to answer your previous question, how closely are you working with engineers? Like I'm hand in hand with them. I feel like I'm one of them. <laughs> and I, I just work directly with them as much as possible until I have to wear a different hat and, and go, with the, go work with the customer success reps and, and the customers directly. So. Oh, I talked to Shafiq. He said the test coverage is like 100%. So there's really shouldn't be anything, any regressions yeah. you need to worry about. Yeah, we do. We have really cool automated tests, which is awesome. And, you know, you, you can never really have 100% test coverage. So, yeah, it's a lot of manual just going in and making sure. And it's really just making sure that the feature that we're implementing, because the test can't really do that, right? They can't check to see all the little nitty gritty details of what I was expecting in my mind or what the designer had built out and making sure those look correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nicole, the day in life of, of Nicole Anderson, PM, any, anything to share there? I mean, I think we covered it all. It's just that one thing I'll say is, um, once you kind of have a feature ready to go, let's say you've documented it, you have everything scoped out and you say here, here, delivery team, go build this thing. Um, it's not over, right? Like that train may start to go off the tracks. Maybe they start to do something that you didn't realize. And so you're constantly like testing and checking the business in. business finds a new shiny object to chase that we're yeah. stop doing Maybe this thing we have and... to slide in some more, yeah, uh, re yeah, requirements or scope creep, but just constantly like keeping an eye on that, that train going along and make sure it doesn't go off the tracks while you're setting up the next train. So it's that juggle between like the next uh, planning cycle and then also like making sure you actually execute the thing you were trying to do. So it's a juggle. Um, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Do you guys have a few more minutes to to wrap this up, or um, is that cool? Because I did want to ask about um, just if there's a gender preference in product management. Um, I'm not, like in my world, the product managers have mostly been female, identified as female, and I want to know if that's like is it a, is it a field that women gravitate towards, or am I just I haven't worked for a lot of different companies, so you know. I just want to throw it out there. Like, is this something that women find themselves gravitating towards? And have you thought about it or seen it? And just want to get the panel's feedback on what they see out there. 
Yeah, I can start a little bit. Um, I I don't know that it's nest. I I can't speak to all women uh, to necessarily know if we're we're gravitating towards it. I I know I gravitated towards it, but that's you know potentially a coincidence. I will say, you know, regardless of our three female panelists here today, I don't. In my experience, it's a little bit more 50-50 split, which in the tech field is much more representative to females compared to other disciplines. So it's mm-hmm. split, but exactly. actually that's strongly disproportionate to... 50-50 uh, seems like a lot. Like 50-50 is astronomical, right? right. So it certainly <laughs> doesn't feel like majority female, but in just the last several years, I've gone from being on large product teams where there was maybe a 10% female representation to now it being 50-50. So it does feel like there's a little bit of a shift happening in this area. Um, And and it's been very interesting to me. I just think like because it's 50-50, that feels like uh, women dominated when engineering is maybe like 70-30 or 90. I don't even know what that percentage is, but it just seems different. So you're like, wait a minute, but it's actually maybe more even, you know? That might be what's happening. I'm not actually sure. I don't have a lot of sample side on that, but yeah, I've had the pleasure of working with you know Lauren and Nicole in the engineering side of things. You're both great developers. What drew you towards product management, and what do you have you know advice for others that are are looking to make that same transition? You want to start? Sure, I'll start. Thank you, Tom. Um, for me, um, you know, I loved engineering. I miss it all the time. I loved coding and solving problems and having a tangible thing that I built that people end up using. Um, But I wanted to be able to have more influence and impact at the end of the day. And I think product management offers me that ability to have a broader perspective to have to to satisfy my insatiable curiosity for learning and connecting across everybody's perspective and getting to know users more and turning that all into something that really steers um, what we can do with the product that just felt um, it resonated with me more. Um, And so that was a move that I made you know, honestly, like trading off that I really enjoyed the work that I was doing before, but uh, I have really never regretted it in the long run. Um, And my advice for people, because product management isn't a very established discipline, um, especially at some companies, um, you know, people might think, I don't really know what it's all about. I don't know what to do with it. Nobody teaches product management. I guess like some colleges nowadays actually do have product management courses, but it's pretty new, even though it's got a long history as Adam shared at the top. And so I think people shy away from it because they think I, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't, I made it up as I went, to be honest. I think I, I really tried to learn and iterate myself of what I was doing and what was working and what the team needed. Um, so my biggest advice is don't, don't question yourself and go for it if it's something that seems interesting. Look outwards for people you can connect with who are in the industry. I think that we have a community that wants to help others because we've all had our own journeys. Yeah. I I feel like the same way. I don't want to reiterate what Lauren said. Uh, just one thing that kind of 
made me start to realize I wanted to go beyond day-to-day engineering was when I was, you know, building something and I would notice like another uh, another piece of software that someone else was building wasn't going to fit together with what I was building. And so I was constantly like that person who was trying to communicate with everyone about the plan. And I just did not like working with blinders on of like, this is my task. I'm just going to do it. And I don't care if the train crashes into the, <laughs> or there's no runway or whatever, like whatever analogy. Uh, so that kind of was like me sipping my tone to like scrum master and like running a team and then kind of just went from there of, you know, eventually got in, in the product side. So I just, I like to, to be in the center of it and be, and have more influence, like you said. Anything to add, Calissa? Just wondering yeah. from a non-technical perspective, how, how is your journey maybe different or what would you recommend to those aspiring yeah. PMs out there who are trying to find their way into the, into the field? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was a salesperson, a lot of the times I didn't really like the product I was selling. <laughs> and so I wanted to be part of the process of actually building out a really cool product that I was going to oh, be proud interesting. of and, and excited to sell with, you know, the sales reps. So um, working towards that, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're not really happy about the products that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, it might mean that you kind of want to be part of that process of how to build it out. And product management is a really good way to, to voice your opinions, whether it's within your current company or if you move on to a different company. Um, a big way that you can start learning about product management is mostly just by registering for a new product and putting on your product hat and seeing what that whole registration experience is like and see what it's like to actually use the product and maybe come up with some feedback that you might want to give to the to the company and you know they have re requests that you could submit or you know feedback areas that you can start to be part of a community and yeah you can just start working towards just understanding how all of the products that we use on a daily basis actually work and what it what it feels like to be a user of those products a lot of great resources on YouTube also for product manager interviews, like mock interviews. So, and you can interview with any background, right? Like you don't have to have been a product manager before to get a product manager job. You can script your resume to show where you were using product manager skills to like make it uh, stand out. And then if you get an interview, practice with those mock interviews because they, they're super helpful. Great. Well, great advice. Yeah, I think we could uh, really talk about this stuff all day, but uh, we do need to end here. Uh, I want to thank our, our, our panels, uh, Calissa, Nicole, Lauren, great insights. Really appreciate it. Um, hope we can get you guys back for like another follow-up to this conversation in you know, January, February, and just kind of keep the conversation going about product management. So um, if you guys have any ideas or if the community has any ideas about, you know, where we could take product management and maybe get a more focused conversation. Um, I'd love to get the feedback from anyone. So again, appreciate everyone showing up. Great uh, episode today and uh, great participation from the audience as well. Awesome job, everyone all around. So take care, have a great rest of your week. Um, I'm going to hang out here for a few minutes if everyone wants to chat after the show. Take care. Cool. Thanks, Thank you so much. Thank you.